0: Hello and welcome to My PGCE, a podcast documenting my journey as a trainee teacher with a special focus on mental health. I am your host, James B. Good morning. Two weeks since we last spoke. The first of those weeks was half term, most of which I spent doing reading, or trying to do reading, for my next essay, which is due after Easter. And I also rested, of course, and I don't think I've ever appreciated a rest quite so much in my life, nor did I realise how tired I was until I started resting. So yes, that was half-term, but I've been back at school a week now, and this episode today... Won't be a long one because I have a sore throat. Not because I'm ill, but because I think I've strained something in my throat. Almost feels like a pulled muscle. And I'll start today's episode by explaining why. My year sevens have a spiral assessment on Monday. That's an assessment where they get assessed on everything they've learnt since being at secondary school or well, maybe not everything but the test could cover any topic that they've learnt since being at secondary school so this past week has been a revision week i've been revising as many topics as i can with my year sevens to give them the best possible chance of getting a good mark on the spiral assessment because my first priority as a maths teacher, I would say, is to ensure that my students experience success in mathematics. If I could do that, I feel that their motivation to study the subject will increase, and everything thereafter becomes easier. So yes, we've been revising. I planned my revision lessons, showed them to my mentor during my mentor meeting on Tuesday, and he rightly said, That they were repetitive and boring. (laughs) Now, I completely agree with him. He's also said in the past that the fun of mathematics comes in getting questions right. Not every lesson has to be an incredibly interesting performance by the teacher. That's not where the real enjoyment of mathematics comes. It comes in getting questions right. But with my year sevens, they do need to be kept interested. They don't really have the maturity to think, okay, I'll suffer through this repetitive, boring revision lesson now, but I know it will pay off in the assessment next week when I'll get a good mark and feel really good about myself. They can't really delay that gratification. They need more entertaining throughout. And so he suggested doing the STARS competition with them during the last half an hour of the lesson on Thursday. The STARS competition is where they have a list of maths questions covering all sorts of topics that they've encountered since being at secondary school. Some of the questions are easier, some of them are harder, and the difficulty of the question decides how many stars you could earn by getting a correct answer. And the goal of the game is to win as many stars as you possibly can in half an hour. So the easiest questions or worse are worth one star, and the hardest ones are worth four. I think there were only two questions on the sheet that were worth four. And this ended up being quite a high-stakes competition for the Year 7s. So I don't know too much about it, but the Year 7s have had some sort of raffle this past week. Year 7 teachers were given raffle tickets and told to award them to any students who were working particularly well. And so I said, the students who win this game will get some raffle tickets. I had in my mind that whoever won would get two raffle tickets. It'd be one raffle ticket for second and then third place. But in order to make this game competitive, you need to pair the stronger students with the weaker students. And then each pair will have a good chance of winning the game. That was the first issue. I had paired students... According to their marks on the last unit assessment, they did. I didn't take into consideration relationships at all. I didn't try to pair friends with friends, for instance. I just purely looked at the scores and paired up the students accordingly. Now, I presented the pairings on the PowerPoint after I explained the rules for this competition, and there was just an uproar. I'd say, a third to a half of the class did not want to go with the person I'd paired them with. And so for the first five to ten minutes, while some students had already cracked on with the game and were trying to work on answers in order to earn these stars, I was just having to try to convince many of them to go with their partner, to work with them, and they were just refusing. I had one student at the front who, when I revealed the, the pairings, just stood up and started packing his bag. And he's like, I'm not having this. I thought he was going to leave. He didn't, thankfully. And he did do some work in the end. Uh, but yeah, for the first five or ten minutes, I was struggling to get them to work with who I wanted them to work with. And that was important because otherwise the game becomes not competitive. If they can pair up with whoever they want, It just won't be as competitive as if I've got the strongest students paired with the weakest ones. So I was kind of doing it for them, but of course they didn't know that, and I wasn't going to explain to them that I'd paired the strongest students with the weak ones. So that was the first difficulty. Now the second difficulty, which is what resulted in my strained and sore throat, was that it was a very high-energy high volume half an hour and I had to turn the volume of my voice up to 11 for that entire period and I think I've either either pulled or inflamed something but it took a real toll on my voice and I do have this general goal at the moment of trying to moderate my voice more in lessons I do spend a lot of the lesson talking very loudly And I've seen other more experienced teachers speak softly during their lessons. And I'm desperately trying to do that because then I also give my students a reason to be quiet themselves because they need to be quieter in order to hear me. Whereas if I'm speaking very loudly, I'm giving them no reason to be quiet. And I'm also straining my voice. So during this competition lesson with the year sevens on Thursday, I really strained it and it's still sore now. And then the final issue with this competition game is that during the last 10 minutes, it's double stars. So if you answer a three-star question in the first 20 minutes, you'll get three stars, but do it in the last 10 minutes, you'll get six. Now, I had some students who'd been working very hard and answering a lot of questions in the first 20 minutes and had earned a fair few stars. But by the time they got to that final 10 minutes, where they could have been earning double, they had very few questions left to answer, and they were the really hard ones that they would struggle to answer. And so they didn't really earn any more stars in that final, very valuable 10 minutes. I had other students, however, who hadn't done a great deal in the first 20 minutes. And when I announced the double star 10-minute period at the end, They then started working, and they were focusing just mainly on the one and two star questions. But of course, when they were getting them right, they were getting double the number of stars than the other more diligent students had received earlier in the lesson. And they also got some three and four star questions right, and I think they may have been looking at their neighbours' answers. There was no way for me to confirm this, but that's certainly my suspicion. So were I to do this lesson again, the stars competition, suffice to say I may not do it with my year sevens again, at least not in a hurry, or if I do, I'll pay more attention to who I'm pairing with whom. But were I to do it again, I think I'd get rid of that final double star 10-minute period, because ultimately I feel like the people, I feel like the students who won the game and got those coveted raffle tickets, weren't the ones who'd worked hardest in the lesson. But that said, in general, I saw my year sevens working harder at maths than I've ever seen them work before. And so that's given me a lot to think about. How can I incorporate competition into my lessons more often? Try to make a game out of things. So that was an interesting experience. And one, as ever, that I learned from. I also had a really interesting conversation this week with a computer science teacher. My conversations with him are always very interesting. But we were talking about the use of starters. A problem I have at the moment is that my starters seem to go on too long and they throw out my timings for the rest of the lesson. I've had this conversation with my mentor, and he said that what I need to do is, when planning my lessons, decide the timings for the lesson itself. Think about how much time I'll need for explanations and how much time I want my students to spend on the main task. And if I think that's going to take 50 minutes, then so be it don't do a starter, that lesson, or do a very short one. So what he's saying is the duration of the starter should be determined by the lesson. It shouldn't be the other way around. So I've been letting the tail wag the dog, really. So that's an ongoing thing I'm working on. But anyway, I was talking to this computer science teacher about starters, and Well, first of all, let me ask you a question. You may have heard it before. It's kind of a bad joke. What do cows drink? Did you think milk? Calves may drink milk, but cows drink water. You may have heard it before, but people often, when you ask them, what do cows drink? People often say milk. Why do they do that? It's because you said the word cow earlier in the sentence. And people tend to associate milk with cows. So in answer to the question, they say milk. So here we have an example where context can lead us astray. Now, part of the function of a starter in a lesson is to give students the right context. So in the joke, we see how the wrong context can lead to the wrong answer. With our starters, we must ensure that we're giving the right context so that when we get to the explanation of that day's topic, students understand what we're talking about. So what does this really mean for starters? What should we be doing in starters? Well, part of what we should be doing, I think, is reviewing relevant prior knowledge, so that that's fresh in the students' minds. And when you then go on to explain that day's topic, they can make all the relevant connections. And importantly, when they move on to the main task, they can get answers right, okay? We don't want them to say milk, we want them to say water. I thought that was interesting, I wanted to share it. With Okay, on to mental health. How's my mental health been? I'd say my mental health was quite poor, relatively speaking. It hasn't been bad for a long time, not since well before starting my PGCE. But it was certainly a little dip towards the end of half term. And that was caused by the conflict in Ukraine. I found it terrifying and devastating, and I couldn't stop checking updates on the BBC News app. So though it's great that these days we can access the latest news whenever we want via our phones, it meant that I could just keep feeding this anxiety inside myself. Once upon a time... You would have seen a newspaper in the morning and a headline, and that would have been it for the day. But now we can just keep checking, and that's what I was doing towards the end of half-term. I just kept checking. And it took the wind out of my sails a little bit. It depleted just some of my motivation to become a good teacher. Now, why is that? I think it's probably because when something of this scale happens, like a history-defining moment, my little ambitions and motivations just seem completely insignificant in comparison. And you end up thinking, why bother? But once I started back at school, things improved very quickly. And I'd say I'm back to my pre-half-term level of mental health and motivation. So I'm doing some research at the moment on motivation for my next essay. And I've learned that three things are very important for motivation. And I've also learned that if you're motivated in the right way, you're less likely to suffer mental health problems. So three things that are very important for motivation and important for keeping mental health problems at bay are autonomy. I must feel that I've chosen to do whatever it is freely, that it was my decision. I wasn't coerced in any way. That's the first thing. The second thing is perceived competence. I must feel like I'm good at whatever it is I'm doing. And the third thing is relatedness. I must feel like I belong to a community where whatever it is I'm doing is valued. And I think it was that last aspect, relatedness, community, that was lacking over half term. I was away from school, away from university. This horrible conflict has broken out, and I felt like my motivation to become a good maths teacher just was insignificant compared to what was happening in Ukraine. But the second I got back to school, I was immediately part of that community again, a community of people who value teaching, value maths teaching, and all of whom trying to educate children in the best way they possibly can so the moment I was re-emerged into that community I felt better about myself and I'm feeling good again now very tired sore throat but good I hope you're feeling good too and I'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks time If you like the episode, please spread the word in person and on social media. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at mypgcepod or email mypgcepod at gmail.com. Please subscribe, rate and review in your directory of choice. Please also consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash mypgcepod and helping fund both the podcast and my PGCE course. Thank you and talk again soon.